I don't care about him. You d- oh, now the inter- last week you were like, "Ooh, internet's going to be mad at you." Now it's your turn. People wasn't, wasn't people he like know. a little turd? He he was in the Inferno Squad book. So, yeah. Okay. Nah, to you, madam. <laughs> What's up, everyone, and welcome to the weekly Q&A. Our first question this week comes from Alex Damon. What? Oh, (laughs) I had a question that I wanted to bring up. It was posed by The Hollywood Reporter, actually, so we're kind of just combining a news video with the Q&A. But there was an article that came out this past week suggesting we might get some movie news at Star Wars Celebration, which is the hope. Yes. Uh, It's just an article. The article's mostly about the MCU, and streaming and basically talking about how they're going to dial back on how much Marvel content is put out. And Lucasfilm actually might be on the opposite side of things. Uh, Kevin Feige says the pace at which we're putting out the Disney Plus shows will change. But then whoever this source is for this article, so take it all with a grain of salt, says Lucasfilm may ramp up, but it will have to abide by the same fiscal discipline as the rest of the company. So we don't I don't think that there's any like worry that Star Wars content is going to start dialing back. Mm-hmm. We've gotten two to three live action series a year and a couple animated series. It doesn't seem like uh, Disney is so worried about Lucasfilm. But yeah, we haven't had a Star Wars movie in four years. And uh, we just had a Star Wars celebration where we were like movie news yeah. and nothing. So is it going to happen this April? I really hope so, but at the same time, you know, I'm a little tepid about movie news or news in general because of Rogue Squadron and (laughs) things like the Lando series. Like, granted, those things were announced on like a... Investor day. Yeah, that that wasn't like a public celebration announcement. Well, but, it like yeah, it wasn't celebration, but they definitely streamed it out to the public. Yeah. So it did feel, it did have that vibe. So... I'm still a little weary of news like this, but this article makes it sound like, yeah, they they are confident in announcing some sort of movie plan. You know, we've heard rumors about Taika's movie. uh, Damon Damon Lindelof, Benioff and Weiss. Benioff and Weiss, David Lindelof. Like, there's been all these names floated up into the air. Ryan Johnson still wants to make movies for Star Wars. Uh, So... I don't know, pick one and maybe go with it. <laughs> just, just just pick one. Yeah, that's <laughs> what, what I'm tired of hearing is so-and-so is making a Star Wars movie. Like it, Rogue Squadron felt pretty concrete at the time. And even that is like, who knows if it's going to happen? Please let it happen. But who knows <laughs> that I, I just want them to stop saying. And, you know, I, a lot of this isn't coming from Lucasfilm. Rogue Squadron was, but most everything else okay taika waititi was from that same day but like damon lindelof uh you know what? i take back what i said just about everything that you mentioned has been officially announced and then t- dialed back ryan yeah. johnson benioff weiss rogue squadron taika waititi so yeah i just want something concrete i yeah. want them to be able to come out and share the future of star wars films without just saying this person's gonna make a movie and that's mm-hmm. all we know yeah. I mean, this this article sounds very hopeful for that. And you know what? We'll be at Celebration. We're, we'll be there covering all the news. So you'll see it, about it on the channel. The The next film is supposed to come out on 2025. That's the right now planned date. 
So if they want to hit that, it does seem like they should be moving forward. And I would think that they could surprise us and be like, this is about to go into production next month. Here's the basics, when it's taking place, who's directing it, who's writing it. Here are the stars. Like, that would be huge. Yeah. I, I feel like... I'm not expecting all of that to be announced, but maybe. I just, yeah, I just want something a little more concrete than, like, walking Damon Lindelof out and then him being like, the rumors were true. I am making a Star <laughs> War. It's like, okay, but, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I want some details. Donkey Gut Punch asks if the Star Wars comics could be building up to the origins of Snoke. Really? We're going back to Snoke? A, a Snoke theory in this economy? <laughs> <laughs> but I actually I liked this question because uh, they have some evidence to back it up. It, it is a mystery that's happening in the comics right now. Basically, what's going on is Kira has some device called the Fermata Cage that in the Crimson Rain comics, she did all this work with the Knights of Ren and several other people gathering components of this thing. And supposedly there is a Sith or the spirit of a Sith or something like a Sith is kept in stasis inside this device. She wants to unlock it so that it will attack Palpatine. It's like Aladdin. Is it like a genie in a bottle, but a bad one? I guess. <laughs> and I think they said that Darth Momin made this device. So like mm. it goes way back to that. I don't think it's Momin again. We already resurrected him sort of once in the Darth Vader comics. Was that his original plan and then he got stuck in a mask instead? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it, he could be the kind of guy to have uh, contingencies like Palpatine. Mm -hmm. But the last time we saw the Fermata cage was on that ancient space station that has appeared in the High Republic. It's appeared in the Rise of Kylo Ren comics. And Snoke did at one point make that his residence hmm. that's where ben meets him after destroying luke's temple so snoke does have a connection to the place i still don't think this is snoke inside the fermata cage i i would be shocked if they brought snoke back into any story at this point it seems kind of pointless i i think they'll do it at some point i think i mean i think mandalorian could potentially be exploring that with whatever they were doing in the uh that one episode on navarro that okay the, that the, makes a little bit more sense with all the cloning technology and like studying force sensitive beings I, I believe palpatine when he said i made snoke but you know maybe he made him from the genetic material of this sith that's in the fermata cage but I, i'm starting to wonder if we're even gonna figure out who's in this thing because there's only two issues of the hidden empire left and the story could continue on after that, but I don't know. It's definitely a mystery. They've built up a lot, and I want to see it resolved, but it could be a plan of Kira's that is ultimately thwarted, and we don't know who's inside. I kind of think it's someone new, but, you know, I am up for as much as I don't really like the... I, I never liked Snoke, <laughs> and the <laughs> I made Snoke kind of made me roll my eyes, So, mm. I, but I'm still ready for them to figure out some story for him. I, I think there's potential like the Darth Plagueis novel to recontextualize some things and I'll be like, okay, I like that more now. I bet the whole I made Snoke thing also made the eyes roll of the actual scientists working on Exegol <laughs> that are standing back there like, oh, what? They're literally like with tubes and stuff like, oh, what? It, you made Snoke, okay. Yeah. 
Elliot Finn wants to know what we think is in Senator Chuchi's future. Basically asking, is she alive by the time of the Rebel Alliance? Are we scared for her at all? And yes, the answer is yes. Like, now that she is back in the Bad Batch, I said this on our live streams, but I was surprised at how much, how happy I was to see her again. Like, if you had told me at the beginning of the season that, like, hey, rumor is Senator Chuchi's coming back, I would have been like, okay. But then just having that surprise and being like, oh my gosh, it's Chuchi. We haven't seen her in forever. Mm -hmm. And then she was immediately in mortal danger. And I was like, protect her. So I'm scared for her. I am too. But, you know, after really diving into why it works so well to have her be the one to come back and represent the clones and be the one to fight for them. She, I just, I just love that they brought her back. And I don't think that she's in too dire of danger for that reason. Yeah. I hope not. That's one of the reasons I think bringing her back is good is because we don't know her fate, but I do think that Star Wars fans tend to go with like, oh, well, she wasn't in Rogue One, so she must be dead. It's like, not necessarily. She does seem like she would really fit in with that crowd. It would have been cool to have her as part of Rebel Alliance High Command, but Mm -hmm. my fingers are crossed that she's okay. She's still part of the Senate somewhere. When I I was reading this question, I I kept wanting to say Chuchi's Fuchi. Where's Chuchi's Fuchi? (laughs) What's in Chuchi's future? <laughs> Framed Citizen asks, what's the first thing we plan on doing when we're in control of Cal Kestis again? Well, for me, he's fallen off of something. He's fallen off of a ledge, a cliff, a ship. That's my plan. I was going to give you the... Ch- that's why I chose this question. <laughs> I was going to give you the chance to say that. And if you didn't, I was going to say Molly's going to make a beeline for the nearest cliff and run him right off. I'll put, I'll put a clip in of my very first playthrough of the yeah. game, which will explain. Apparently it's a... That. Oh! <gasps> Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's happened yet and you died. Like, that should be an achievement. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, I've never seen someone die so fast in that game. But, you know... That's on Braca. That's on the Scrappers Guild. There was not a ledge there. It's it was not dangerous. On me. <laughs> <laughs> Molly was just trying to get a, a handle on the controls and walked him right off a cliff. And I was like, never well, seen that happen. So, sometimes when I start a new game, they sit you down and they're like, okay, here's your objective. I want to go exploring. So I immediately went backwards and, well. You just started kind of running in circles, not realizing there was a <laughs> cliff right there. Yeah. As for me, I mean, I'm probably going to do something similar. That's what I tend to do in most games is I just start mashing buttons to see what happens. I I will want to know what abilities Cal does or does not have. Mm -hmm. Like, I've been very concerned that, you know, we should not have to unlock force push or pull again. So I'm going to go find something to push probably. I'm going to see what what all did we retain from the the first game. And... I know a lot of people are excited to see how the maps are different. So we'll see how Cal Kestis looks at maps. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll probably open the map. And honestly, I think that it depends on where the game opens up. But I'll probably look for the other characters. Yeah. If BD1's not on my back, I'm going to look for him. If Marin and Grease aren't around or Seer, I'm going to look for them. Although I think Seer is probably off in her archive already. Sarah Black wants to know if we're going to get a behind-the-scenes look at Andor on Disney+. Plus. 
I don't know, but I wanted to choose this question just to throw support for that out there. Did we not get one of those? No. Like the, the gallery thing? No. <laughs> Boo. I know. Where is it? <laughs> exactly. Oh, we man. we got one for every other series. The Mandalorian season one had that great like eight parter. Mando season two got two parts. Uh, Book of Boba Fett got one. Obi Wan Kenobi. I know why. Why? Because they couldn't film it all in the volume. I mean, a lot of that stuff was shot on location, so all those people that are in it and doing interviews and stuff weren't all in one place at the same time. That that's a good point. That yeah, it would have probably cost more to ship a bunch of people over to uh, was it the Scottish Highlands where they filmed a lot of that stuff? Something like, like that. It probably would have been a little harder to get behind the scenes stuff going on like that. But you know, all the Marvel shows I think have also had behind the scenes stuff. I mean, even a little bit. Yeah. Uh, even a short look, I would appreciate. Maybe we'll get like a big one after the second season because we're only getting the two seasons right yes so maybe they're saving it for that yeah maybe maybe tony gilroy didn't want a bunch of camera people like in his actors faces i i could see him just being like why <laughs> yeah he seems like that kind of guy that's like no we're gonna focus on just this please i'm i'm okay to wait if they want to do one after the the whole Andor series is over and then Hopefully they can really do it big and, you know, be able to talk about a lot more stuff than just about what happened in the first season and give us more B2 Emo little interviews. Yeah, yeah, an inter a sit down with B2 Emo. <laughs> yeah. I, I would take that. I was going to say, like, how does he work? I I'd like to see his inner workings. They had the Ferrix set, so, you know, they could have had behind the scenes stuff there. My hope is that one is still coming, but... Uh, Sarah mentioned like the Willow one. We got a Willow behind the scenes pretty quick. Which was adorable and really hilarious. Really fun, yeah. But that one was only 30 minutes long and it was kind of a parody. Like it had a good look at all the characters and the actors, but it was also Warwick Davis very much uh, poking fun at himself. Mm -hmm. So that was almost a sketch, <laughs> yeah. an extended sketch. But maybe maybe the Andor one is very involved and so they're taking their time and making it and maybe they'll wait for like a drought in Star Wars live action content and, like let's put that in the middle here thinking about the the willow behind the scenes uh thing that they did that a lot of the people in willow are like young and the show is funny and heartwarming and silly sometimes and then andor is like the complete opposite so maybe they tried and everyone on set was like very focused very, and not yeah. in the mood. Fiona Shaw kept dropping F-bombs. Yeah. And they were like, we can't use any of this. <laughs> Spider-Man of Earth 1218 asks if a Star Wars musical could work. Why not? Yeah, I say why not. A full-on two-hour, occasionally there's a song. I, I think they'd have to find the right way to do it. But we have seen, like, like we talked about last week, the in-universe songs that music has always been a part of Star Wars in universe music. So why not ramp it up just a little bit? We got a little bit of that in the Lego uh, stuff. Yeah. With Obi-Wan. vacation, yeah. Obi-Wan having to do karaoke at Jabba's Palace, which was hilarious. And the Weird Al song. Yeah. But even the Clone Wars had that Size Noodles kind of Temple of Doom musical number. 
Uh, Jedi Rocks is a weird one for me where in the movie I'm like, I'm not crazy about this, but it slaps. I like the the horn section right at the start. Yeah. I do like the song. So I think instead of a purely like musical film, I would rather see something on Broadway mm. for Star Wars. <laughs> I immediately went back to the MCU and the the Rogers musical. <laughs> yeah. That would be that would take away some of the like campiness of it where people probably wouldn't roll their eyes as much when they heard about a Star Wars musical if it's on Broadway. If you're going to bring that up, then we should talk about Wicket. Our we, we have a friend who wrote a musical called Wicket and it's based off of Wicked telling the untold story of the Ewoks in the Battle of Endor. And it's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So yeah, a Broadway musical that, you know, isn't canon, but it definitely works. Like it's emotional. It's hilarious. The songs are genuinely great. I, I'll shout out that it's in Buffalo right now, Buffalo, New York. If you're in New York, you can go see Wicket, uh, which apparently they have like a, f a live band playing the music, yeah. which is crazy. Palpatine has a big musical number. Our, our friend that wrote it went up there to see it, and he was like, this is awesome. And he also showed all the Star Wars drinks that they're serving. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. So, so yeah, there's that. And, but I think that a, a canon, they'd have to do it the right way. I think the easy way would be kind of like Tatooine Rhapsody. Mm -hmm. Let's make it about musicians. Um, I don't want to see like behind the music for figure and dan so much but to see the max rebo band like going on some crazy adventure where occasionally they sing i don't know i'd watch it yeah i would too <laughs> on the youtube questions Stuart lugsden wants to know if Django fett knew of omega's existence no i don't think so i don't think so either i don't think he did and if he did i don't think he would care same that that was the second part of Stuart's question is what did he think of her if he knew I don't think he cared. All he cared about was Boba Fett. He didn't care about any of the clone troopers. I don't think he would have cared about Omega either. He just wanted Boba Fett. And really, Boba Fett, he didn't truly care about. He cared about his legacy. Yeah. And like, he wasn't on Kamino, like lording over all of his million offspring, right. like, like getting to know them and stuff. Like, I think he was like, okay, you can have and use my DNA for this project. I don't want anything to do with it except give me one unaltered clone. That was the deal. Yeah. I should, I, I think he did care about Boba on a level, but yeah. there's a really great Age of Republic comic where he does straight up say, like, I don't care about these clones. They're cannon fodder. And But Boba Fett, he mostly just wants someone to carry on the Fett name and the Fett legacy. And really that comic is... Jango Fett. Yeah. Jango Fett wanted Boba to carry on yes. the Jango Fett name and legacy. And that comic, I, I thought about it constantly when we were watching the book of Boba Fett and that moment where like Boba goes on that spirit journey and he is being like strangled by the tree, his family tree and mm -hmm. his father's legacy. And you see the waves of Kamino. I was like, oh my gosh, like it's so deep. It's really, really good because of that one comic, which I believe Jody Hauser wrote. So uh, A plus. Colin Powers asks why nobody told Chuchi about the clone's inhibitor chips. I am going to assume that someone did just off screen. Yeah. I, I don't know that there's anything that she needed to know about it in the story itself. I, I think it would. I think she does need to know about it. But Does she know about it, though? I don't think so. 
I, I'm assuming that after episode eight, Rex was like, hey, let me fill you in on some stuff. Mm. Yeah. I never thought about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think the true reason is that they didn't want to stop the story to tell Chuchi information the audience already knows. Right. She would have certainly have a lot of questions and we'd be like, yeah, we know all this. So I think it's fine to assume that she found out off screen. Yeah. Because that, you're right, that that would take a lot of uh, explaining and she would have a lot of questions and we just don't have time for all that in a 25 minute episode of animation. They could have thrown a line in right at the end as the Bad Batch is leaving and Echo could have been like, so let me tell you about inhibitor chips. And she'd be <laughs> like, what? And, and, and then that could have gone off. But I'm happy to assume that she does know because I think it's important that she knows the full scope of what the clones are dealing with yeah. so that she can help them. Maybe the next time we see her in another episode, if we do, which I assume we'll we'll do, uh, she'll talk about it, bring it up. Yeah, that I think that she is now like tied to the clones and their future. So to go back to that previous question, hopefully her future goes well. The Real Code Black wants to know if we'll see more former Separatists working with the Rebel Alliance. I think so. And I, I think that the Bad Batch has even started showing us that. Not, not that the Rebel Alliance exists yet, but no, now I can't remember her name. Tawny Ames. Uh, the governor on that one planet, which I can't remember either. Oh, man. Star Wars explained over uh, yeah. here. Star Wars knows it sometimes. <laughs> I got the governor's name, but Tawny Ames is like the first exploration of one of those. We were separatists. We're not part of the Republic. We were fighting the Republic. We're not part of the Empire. So mm -hmm. it totally makes sense that separatists would continue to fight against the Empire. And I think that I guess I think and hope she is just the first of many because we we saw the clones having to extract the governor of Raxus in season one. So they're they're already kind of getting into that. And uh, I'd like to see it explored like all the way up into the rebellion timeline. Yeah. And this made me think of the episode of the Bad Batch on Sereno. Like yeah. any any survivors from Sereno are probably going to work want to work with the rebellion. And th they bring up Andor because that was kind of the backstory that Cassian was from Fest and he was a separatist and it seems like that was all lies for which I thought they handled that very well uh that they acknowledged what the reference book said but it, it was just a cover story. So they kind of took that away but it was always an interesting part of his character that he was a separatist and uh, it did kind of touch on that he remembers throwing bottles at clone troopers or, or, or rocks and like we did see that on ferrix even if he wasn't the one doing it mm. so i i think it was touched upon but i do think it would be cool to keep exploring that and explicitly say that hey this member of the rebel alliance was part of the confederacy of independent systems because that's something that the clone wars or revenge of the sith says there are heroes on both sides. And then Clone Wars showed that in a couple episodes. But for the most part, the, the Separatists were the bad guys. And I think it would be nice to show that there really were heroes on both sides. Like, for real, not just Mina Bonteri. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. What was that little kid's name 
that was trying to talk to Ahsoka. Lux Bonteri? Yeah. I don't care about him. You d- Oh, now the inter- last week you were like, ooh, internet's going to be mad at you. Now it's your turn. People, wasn't wasn't people he like know. a little turd? I think at first, and then he and Ahsoka really found some common ground. He made some mistakes. He signed up with Death Watch for a while. But in the Onderon arc, he was great. Mm. And he, I get he can to, stay behind to talk about him a little bit more. He he was in the Inferno Squad book, so yeah, okay, yeah, to you, madam. <laughs> That's all the time we have for questions today. If you want to leave a question for next week's video, just put it in the comments below, or sign up for Patreon to join our weekly Q and A discussion. If you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And as always, thanks for watching, and may the Force be with you.